Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Bonjour. Bonjour. It's a beautiful day, even if it's rainy and gray. (laughs) Ah, I'm so happy to join with you to transcend time and space so we can be together. We have a sacred appointment to have a healing. And we're invoking the higher Holy Spirit self. I place my hand on my heart. I invite you to do the same. Let us wholeheartedly declare our willingness to let the past go, to let the grievances go, to let the shame and the blame go. We are grateful and thankful to open our hearts to our own holiness, to the holiness of all our brothers and sisters. We are grateful and thankful to overcome the temptation to see ourselves as separate, not enough, bad, wrong, and to project it onto others. We are grateful and thankful to open ourselves to a sense of our true identity that is forever transformative. We are grateful that this glimpse of our holiness, of our perfection, of our oneness and union with spirit, in spirit, is so deeply healing and nourishing that we are never the same. We are grateful to know that it is so. We share the benefits with all beings because we are one with them, and we are truly grateful and thankful to let it be. We allow it to be, and so it is. Amen. Amen, amen. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Mm. I'm so grateful to join with you today. I am up in Maine. If you've been listening to this broadcast for a while, you will know that my family, the Hadley family, has a home that my parents built in 1986. It was their dream home. My mother passed away in 2008. Uh, but my parents, my parents moved up here. It was their second home, and then they moved up here. Oh my gosh, when did they move up here? I am not sure. Maybe late nineties. They moved up here. I lived here for a few years. In the early 90s, I lived here for a few years by myself. It was one of the most healing and transformative times of my life. And gosh, I hadn't thought I would ever speak about these things, but Spirit is guiding me, and I follow where Spirit goes to the best of my ability. And it and it's very much about the sense of self. So there you go, because our topic this week is cultivating a healthy sense of self, which is, as you well know, my friend, a very rigorous discipline. It is not for the timid. It is not for the faint of heart. It is not for those who vomit easily and faint easily, cultivating a strong and true and healthy sense of self is for the courageous, for the incredibly willing. And that's us. Yes. So we join together because there's strength in numbers. 
Yes. So, um, yeah, in in uh, the late 90s, as God would have it, I wrote a play, co-authored a play with my brother, and it, we produced it off-Broadway, we produced it for PBS television, and uh, it was a great adventure in healing the ego. Because my brother and I had a lot of, lot of, lot of difficulties and pain uh, in our relationship, which has largely but not completely been healed. Where, where you know, it still erupts. It still erupts um, because I still have stuff. So does he, and it rubs against each other like sandpaper, right? Smoothing us out. And it's not always pleasant, it's not always fun, but as you know, I like to say, it's all good, but it's not all fun, so let's just get her done. (laughs) That's it, it's all good, but it's not all fun, so let's just get her done. Quoting Larry the Cable Guy there, let's get her done. So, that's for you, Patricia. And I... uh, when I so uh, after we produced the play for PBS, uh, well, after it was done off Broadway in 1989, uh, we had done productions for a couple of years in different places, perfecting it, trying it out, and whatnot, and um, and we got standing ovations every performance. It was wonderful. The play was called All. God, it is called All God's Dangers. And uh, I know we should bring it out, get it out of the PBS archives, put it on YouTube and things like that. Um, need to work on that. Yet another thing to do. Uh, when you're a creative person, there's no rest. There's no rest for the for the creative person. Anyway, uh, so in 1990, early 90, we uh, produced it for American Playhouse. They... Uh, which was this PBS series. Uh, it was a very, uh, it was a great honor to be chosen uh, to have our play on that uh, series. So after we finished that, uh, I I had a devastating breakup of the boyfriend I was living with for a couple of years. And so my parents were hardly using this house up in Maine. So I retreated here. And I lived here for a few years, uh, for the most part. And it's on an island. It's in the woods. We've got some a big, nice plot of woods. Uh, we're on a private cove. And uh, it's a wonderful space to come and heal and heal. I didn't want to just lick my wounds, which sounds disgusting actually, but um, I, I, I wish to heal them permanently back to the root cause so I never experienced them again. But I didn't even really know that or understand that at the time. I was a spiritual student, but um, I was all over the place. And the ego is definitely driving my all my decisions. But living here by myself in the woods on the water with the tide going out every 12 hours and the change of seasons and the foxes and all the other animals at play in the yard 
watching the coming and going of birds and eagles and osprey and blue herons and all the things that happen here. Um, I did a lot of emotional healing. I did a tremendous amount of introspection and deep self-forgiveness. And one of the great benefits of that time was that I got to know my own rhythms. So I got to know when do I like to wake up? When do I like to go to sleep? When do I like to eat breakfast and lunch and dinner? Because I was mostly by myself and I was doing a tremendous amount of writing at the time. I was writing screenplays, having gotten so um, fired up from the success we had as playwrights. I started into screenwriting. And so I was doing a tremendous amount of journaling and screenwriting and uh, I was making ends meet. I did some bartending, some waitressing, some bookkeeping, and I was very grateful to have that time to be here and learn the rhythms of my life. And I poured so much of my um, negative thinking into the to the into spirit for healing. And I had a lot of healing. I was definitely a changed person when I left here and went out to L.A. And so cultivating that healthy sense of self, it it is, it's pretty much a full-time job. It really is. So to me, that's how I have come to look at it, that my spiritual practice is my job. And I do it from... The moment I wake up until the moment I wake up, <laughs> 24-7, constantly, it's in my dreams, it's if I wake up in the middle of the night, I'm praying, I'm blessing, It it's never stopping, and I'm uh, still interrupting thought patterns many times a day, and what I have come to really recognize is this spiritual inner work is good work if you can get it. And the thing that makes it, takes it from being painful, 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 constant sense of failure to a constant sense of succeeding is your perspective, right? Lesson 190 tells us pain is a wrong perspective, right? When you're looking at your life through the lens of the ego, identified with the body, identified with the small, selfish, unworthy, bad self, your perspective is going to show you painful images, images of yourself and everyone else that cause you pain and suffering. It's just how it works. So, The thing for us is to rise up and to identify with the higher Holy Spirit self, right? So that's why I begin every broadcast with that prayer that says we're partnering up with the higher Holy Spirit self. And we're grateful. We're grateful because grateful gratitude lifts our vibration 
And then from that lifted space, we can see and hear and feel and know more clearly what the actual truth is, right? In in the workbook, I forget where Jesus tells us, you don't even know what will make you happy. You don't know. You don't have a clue. So stop thinking that you do. I like to say it in little rhymey ways. Holy Spirit gives it to me in little rhymey ways. I don't get iambic pentameter that I know of, but I get these little rhymey ways. You don't have a clue. You don't have a clue. So why think that you do? Give it up. And that's what I learned to say to myself when I feel upset, annoyed, frustrated, when I feel badly about myself, which isn't very often anymore. And I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. I recently got triggered with my family and uh, opportunity for healing, which of course it was and is. uh, And it triggered an old belief pattern. And I realize, oh, wow, this is amazing. So this old pattern, still getting triggered. And I did get upset. I got quite upset. But I never got upset like this before. Because it was completely and totally on the surface. I barely felt it in any of my chakras. It felt so intellectual and old. Like, wow, okay, I don't, my sense of self is not, oh, I'm a bad person, oh, I'm a, I'm a loser, oh my God, they're right. No, I didn't have any of that. It was just, oh, how can I help people who don't see that their beliefs are what is causing their view. They aren't seeing me correctly because they're looking through a glass darkly, right? So how can I better help to resolve these things? So, and this is a constant thing for me. This is a constant piece of my work because any, anyone who's living the lessons of A Course in Miracles is experiencing this recognition that what we all do is we see things through our, the lens of our belief system. And if our belief system is nutty, wacky, false, wackadoo, then what you're going to see is insanity. So this is what we're talking about here in cultivating a healthy sense of self. So number one, we have to recognize that anytime we're bothered by our thoughts, they cannot be true. They have to be false. They have to be. They have to be. One of the greatest gifts I gave myself many, many years ago was I decided that my intention for the year was to be unbotherable. And I got so much benefit from that. I've just kept it going. (laughs) 
To be unbotherable means you have to look at what's really bothering you. It's just like if you were in your house and there's a bad smell. Don't accept, oh, my house smells bad. Oh, well. Must be something dead in the walls. It's not going away year after year. Something new must have died. You just kind of get used to it. No. And then you go outside, you get fresh air, you have a wonderful experience with somebody else, you stay in their house, you join with them. Oh, you don't even notice. Oh, yeah, it's just really nice here. I like it here. You go back home and you're like, oh, there's that smell again. And you just go to sleep and accept it, right? All done that. All done that. Been there, done that. And now let's get her done. (laughs) Done, done, done. So these beliefs that are constantly triggering us, they're like the dead rat in the wall, the dead animal in the wall. It's stinking up the whole house. They, They are. That's what they're doing. And so the number one thing we're willing to let go of our attachment to our beliefs, to our perspective, which is causing us the pain. Now, last week, I was uh, sharing about healing hatred and got pointed by spirit. Spirit gives me the topic and uh, the the place where I got referred to was chapter 31, section 5, which is called Self-Concept Versus Self and uh, went over part of that. Um, and in, I'm just going to touch on a few little things here in that it, it, what Jesus says is the learning of the world is built upon a concept of the self adjusted to the world's reality, right? So it's a false reality. So it's a false concept of the self. And then we create an image to to match that right we so we see ourselves as that he says the building of a concept of the self is what the learning of the world is for so to build a concept of ourselves is not bad it's what the world is for and now at this point in our consciousness experience right consciousness is separation from uh a, just living in the unity one mind, we have consciousness, according to A Course in Miracles. It's the first step away. It's the first sense of separation is consciousness. So we're experiencing consciousness. We're experiencing the concept of the world. That's what the learning of the world is for. So we can complete the learning of the world. And in deciding to do that, we must cultivate the willingness to complete the curriculum. And that's what A Course in Miracles is helping us to do, complete the curriculum of this world. So he says, a concept of the self is made by you. It bears no likeness to yourself at all. It is an idol made to take the place of your reality as son of God. Right? And then he says, 
It is this face that smiles and charms and even seems to love. It searches for companions and it looks at times with pity on the suffering and sometimes offers solace. It believes that it is good within an evil world. This aspect, so this is an aspect of our false self that we've created. This aspect can grow angry for the world is wicked and unable to provide the love and shelter that our innocence deserves. And so this face is often wet with tears at the injustices the world accords to those who would be generous and good. We would be generous and good, right? But we're defending ourselves against these attackers and when we're defending ourselves against the attackers, it's really this subterfuge that our, we have a desire to attack. And so we've manifested this thing that seems like we're being attacked, right? But it's we are the ones who really would like to attack. So beneath all of this, there's the truth. There's the truth. And we can recognize that because we're dancing in this subterfuge of blaming others for how we feel, not taking responsibility for our thoughts and our projections and all of this that we all do, because we're not taking responsibility for it, we're not owning it, we don't even want to see it, we totally want to blame and project, and that's it then deep down, we feel bad, bad, bad to the bone, right? And enough, 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 enough. So the concept of the self is constructed. It's not real. It's not true. Paragraph seven. So again, we're Text, chapter 31, section 5, paragraph 7. He says, concepts are learned. They are not natural. Apart from learning, they do not exist. They are not given, so they must be made. We make our self-concept. Not one of them is true, and many come from feverish imaginations, hot with hatred, and distortions born of fear. So what does that mean? It means your a child and you have a sense that your mother's not paying any attention to you so it must be because you're not lovable you're not lovable and then you start to form this belief you're not lovable you cry and cry and cry and then your mother's frustrated with herself that she can't get you to stop crying but you decide it's about you It's about you, because when you're a child, everything's about you. And then later in your life, you're, you know, you're one of your parents, your mother, your father loses their job, and they're struggling to support the family. They're very stressed. They're trying to make ends meet. They're doing everything they can, and they are not there for you because they're trying to support you. Because they love you and care about you and take their responsibility as a parent quite seriously, but it's overwhelming to them, 
right? And their feelings of failure are overwhelming to them. So they start drinking. They start having affairs. They start doing all kinds of things to distract themselves from their horrible, horrible feelings about themselves. And I say horrible because it is with horror that some of us look within and see this self-image, this concept that we've made. I'm a failure. I'm unlovable. I can't do anything right. And on and on and on. So these are the distortions born of fear. Jesus says, what is a concept but a thought to which its maker gives a meaning of its own? Right? So we have a thought. And we give all the meaning to it. Right? I've given everything in this room, on the street, in my mind, in my experience, in my relationship. I've given everything, uh, every little morsel of my life, all the meaning that it has for me. And therein lies my suffering. He says, Concepts maintain the world, but they cannot be used to demonstrate the world is real, for all of them are made within the world, born in its shadows, growing in its ways, and finally maturing in its thought. They are ideas of idols painted with the brushes of the world, which cannot make a single picture representing truth. So we make all these pictures about ourselves, about life, and the meaning of everything, and we become very attached to them because we painted them. And there is our attachment to the very thing that is hurting us. Yes, so there is a way out of this, and A Course in Miracles tells us how. I'm about to go to break, and just before I go to break, I'd like to say thank you to John Mundy, who did our Sunday service last week. We're doing Sunday services online, Sundays with Spirit. Come and join us. Uh, I'm not sure who the speaker's going to be this Sunday. Maybe it'll be me. And we have wonderful music each Sunday, too. So it's uh, all available. If you go to livingacourseofmiracles.com forward slash Sundays or jenniferhadley.com, you can definitely find it there. So I am Jennifer Hadley. <laughs> and you're listening to A Course in Miracles on Unity Online Radio, where we're living the love and we're walking the talk. We'll be right back. Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, living the love, walking the talk. And we're back. Yay. I love this topic oh, because it has made such a difference, a qualitative difference to every minute of my life. Oh, my gosh. And that's why I feel so compelled to share these teachings because we can totally transform our life experience. That's what I was sharing before the break that in this recent upset that I had, it didn't quake me. It didn't quake my self-identity at all, at all. The the deep triggers that I used to get into, not happening, not happening. Oh my gosh, 
And I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. You know, it seems we get so attached to this self-concept that we made that we cannot, uh, we cannot even conceive that it's undoable. But the thing is, is we are not the ones who undo it, right? We made it, but we don't have to undo it. Boom! Ka-ching! Like the biggest ka-ching echoing throughout the universe. That we made this issue, but we do not have to undo it. The Holy Spirit knows precisely what thread to pull on the sweater, and boom, it all unravels. But we do have to be willing to have this horror show sweater that we have knitted, that is our self-concept, we do have to be willing to let it go, which does require us to take full responsibility for our perceptions and our projections. And that's where the timid back away. That's where it takes incredible courage and willingness. Why does it take so dang much courage to do this work? It's because you will go through periods where you do not know who you are. And you will go through periods where you will look in horror and terror at the creature you have made. Last week, I I don't think I've ever said this before, but that's what Spirit gave me last week, was this Frankenstein monster sense of it. You know, the Holy Spirit's teaching us through everything, even through horror stories and horror movies. Think of Dracula, right? The concept of Dracula. And many people feel like vampires, right? They're, They're, in a sense, they're sucking and sucking and sucking on the life force of their loved ones and they just can't get enough to feed themselves and nourish and nurture themselves. Why? Why? Because that is not other people's jobs to sustain our crazy, crazy monkey mind mentality self-concept, right? Their job is to help us liberate from it. This is the truth of it. So let us get on with the business at hand. So in this chapter 31, section 5, paragraph 8, a concept of the self is meaningless for no one here can see what it is for and therefore cannot picture what it is. Now, that that could mean no one here in this world can see what it's for. What is it for? It's for to keep us trapped in a hellish mentality. And so we can't really picture what it is. But that, to me, that sentence could also apply to Jesus's ascended master perspective that no one here in the ascended master realm, the higher dimensions, can see what it's for. And cannot picture what it is. But I think it's here in this world. So he says, Yet is all learning that the world directs begun and ended with the single aim of teaching you this concept of yourself that you will choose to follow this world's laws and never seek to go beyond its roads and not realize the way you see yourself. Okay? So that's the curriculum of the world. Now must the Holy Spirit find a way 
to help you see this concept of the self must be undone if any peace of mind is to be given you. Nor can it be unlearned except by lessons aimed to teach that you are something else. For otherwise, you would be asked to make exchange of what you now believe for total loss of self and greater terror would arise in you. So the lessons that are helpful to us in this undoing are the ones that help us realize we can be incredibly loving. And we can look at our brothers and sisters and love them unconditionally, even when they're acting crazy, and even when they're acting in a demonic way, we can still look at them and love them. So this is like, think of Jesus, right? Think of Jesus looking upon a murderer, okay? Uh, Someone who is is, uh, deceptive. Right, because one of the the he, he was one of the great teachers, though they wouldn't admit it. He was one of the great teachers for the Pharisees, right? Who were the Pharisees? They were the religious leaders of the time, right? They thought they knew everything. They were so learned that they didn't have a connection to their heart. Some of them, right? So they rejected Jesus. Because right? he was a threat to them. He was a threat to their world order. He was a threat to their self-concept. That they were the ones. right? And Jesus went around teaching, Who is holier? Who is more like their father in heaven? The, the Pharisee who goes to the temple every day to pray, but doesn't mean it. It's not coming from their heart. Or the one, the tax collector, remember the tax collectors were the Romans. The Romans were the um, invading army imposed upon their society, right? They were the dominating uh, army, right? Uh, the, the tax collector who prays in secret. Which person is a higher vibrational person? The Pharisee who goes to the temple every day for all to see. Or the tax collector who prays in secret from his heart. Because of course both were men, Pharisees and tax collectors. Who, who is the one who's the higher vibrational being? And Jesus' students, the crowd, would say, well, the Pharisees, the Pharisees are the, the ones, you know, they've studied for years. And Jesus would be like, no, this is what I'm trying to tell you, is they're doing it for show. Their heart is not in it. But this tax collector who's praying in his own room alone at night in the morning, praying to be a good person, praying to be in alignment with God. That person is the person who's truly willing. That person is the person who's really got the higher vibration. Because he is coming from his heart, earnestly approaching God, laying things on the altar. The Pharisee's only doing it for show. The Pharisee, it's all about maintaining their position. The tax collectors are trying to change his life and being in those prayers. 
you see. So you can also see how tax collector, invading army, uh, strong macho men, there's all that self-concept mixed in there. Pharisee, the intellectual leader, the religious leader, the one who's supposed to know it all but secretly feels like a sinner because those spiritual leaders, those religious leaders who uh, act as though they're above it all, you know, no, no, we all know, no, no, that they feel the opposite way, right? They're the ones who condemn different kinds of sexual expression while partaking of them. You know, just they are labeling people sinners when they are doing the very thing that they think is a sin. You know, they're committing adultery. They're uh, addicted to drugs. They're whatever. Addicted to fame, addicted to money and all kinds of different things, right? So the concept, and people will go to great lengths to protect their concept of self. Concept of self uh, is wrapped up in, I'm this kind of a person because I have this kind of a house. I live in this kind of a neighborhood. My children behave this way. We have... Um, you know, whatever stuff we have in our house, in our yard, we have certain kinds of vacations, all kinds of stuff that leads people to formulate, not, excuse me, it's the other way around. Your self-concept is being projected out more and more into the world. It's becoming what my teacher calls concretized. I just love that. The concretized self-concept. You know, you've invested so much in it. You've, you've woven that cloth so intensely that it's like concrete. It's like steel. It's this very heavy, hard concept, right? So, and you're afraid to let it go because you have no idea who you will be. So this is why I like to work with that affirmation that rattles people, I am perfect, I am perfect and so are you, I am perfect and so are we all. You know, think of right now, think of someone whose behavior you do not like, right? They annoy the heck out of you. You think they're abominable, right? Maybe you have a sense of hatred that you direct to them. Now, see if you can say to them, I am perfect and so are you. We are perfect. We are of God. I am of God and therefore I am perfect. I am that I am. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy will be done on earth, as it is in heaven, as it is in my heart. Yes. And see how you feel. How does it make you feel? Do you feel sick? Do you feel like that solar plexus, third chakra? Ugh. Ugh. Does your heart ache? Fourth chakra? Fifth chakra, does your throat close up, right? See where you are with this thought, I am perfect, and so are they. We are all created by the same creator, 
People say, God, don't make no junk. We can label ourselves and others junk. But let us not judge people by what they do. Okay? We could say we don't like what they do. We could say what they're doing is illegal. And we can have all kinds of thoughts and opinions and judgments about it, which will just get in the way. But we can know that even the most criminal mastermind who tortures and kills for the fun of it inside is that perfect creation of the creator who has lost in some way, shape, or form their way, their way. And they don't know who they are. And if we judge them, we don't know who we are. Because we are their savior. They are ours. It's always mutual. So a healthy self, uh, sense of self comes from this really profound willingness to let this false self-concept be dissolved and resolved by the Holy Spirit. And our willingness is all that's required. So people ask me all the time, Jennifer, how do you remember to be in prayer about these things? How do you remember when you feel upset to pray, to hand it over to the Holy Spirit? How do you remember when you feel so irritated and frustrated to take a breath, to go to God, And it's really this, how much are you interested in being free of this false self-concept? How much are you willing to be free of it? How attached are you to maintaining it? It's really that. So I, I had a long drive from New Jersey to the island here. There's a bridge, so you can cross over on the bridge. It's a long drive, and um, it's hundreds of miles. And sometimes along the way, I, well, inevitably along the way, I like to stop for coffee, because I'm a coffee girl. <laughs> I love my coffee. It's a spiritual elixir that, that heals me. <laughs> and um, so usually it's easy to find a Starbucks in one of those um, service areas along the route, right? And I've been driving up here since 1986, so I know the route and I know what's along the way. And I don't think Starbucks are open. Maybe the, the ones that have drive throughs are open. And so I just, like, I, I didn't have the bandwidth to search for a Starbucks with a drive through I didn't really, because I'm not used to doing that, and I just didn't want to take the time to do that. But uh, I passed, but I was intent on it. I'd like to have some coffee. Okay, Spirit, send me the coffee. Show me the drive through I found a Dunkin' Donuts with a drive through And uh, so I went there. I'm intent on it. I wake up in the morning, I am intent on certain things. 
And I'm going to do them today because they're important to me. I'm going to work in the garden. I'm going to teach classes. I'm going to exercise. Go, you know, I'm going to make my healthy things. I'm going to drink my lemon water and have my celery juice. And I'm going to do these things. I'm going to, oh, I got these wonderful artichokes. I'm going to cook the artichokes. And I got this wonderful asparagus. I'm going to roast that asparagus. And then I'm going to take part of it and I'm going to make soup because this is what I'd like to do. And I also am very, very intent on having a healthy self sense of self. And so as I feel irritations, frustrations, upsets, and annoyances, I'm going to go, wait, what's that? What's that? Wait, what's that? Something's bothering me. Oh, yeah. Yep. I just realized. Yep. Oh, I just tripped over the rug. Wait, what was I thinking? Oh, yeah, I was starting to complain about something. Starting to wonder if I'm going to have to figure that out rather than wait for spirit to to tell me. Aha, gotcha, gotcha. That little trip over the corner of the rug was my little signal. You're off balance. Something's going on. What is it? Let me find it. One of my very best friends says, I'm not like Jennifer Hadley. I, I like my judgments. And, you know, I have a couple of best friends who have that that take on things. They're not bad. They're not wrong. They're choosing to learn through the pain of having their judgments. Having done so much of that, still doing some of that, I can totally understand that. It's like somebody who says, I'd like to lose weight, and they're eating dessert every night. Hey, I get it. You like dessert. Have dessert. Have, having dessert and losing weight aren't necessarily mutually exclusive at all. So let us work at the level of the mind. Let us be willing to recognize I am perfect. I am as holy as holy can be. And I am willing this day and every day to see it more clearly. And for me personally, the fastest path to this healing has been my willingness to stop judging my brothers and sisters. To interrupt that pattern. So it's whether I'm judging myself or someone else, it's all the same because we're all one. Let's not make it different. You know, judging the person who is the serial killer, the serial rapist, versus judging the guy at Starbucks who you told him to make it extra hot. He didn't make it extra hot. Come on, people. It's not that hard. Just make it extra hot, right? I have a friend who used to ask for it extra hot and um, would get annoyed if it wasn't that way. And I, my grandmother, she, whenever she ordered, she was a tea drinker, Lipton tea drinker. And whenever she ordered tea in a restaurant, she would pull the waiter or waitress aside and say, I like my tea scalding hot, just scalding hot, you know. And so she would be like, heat that mug up first, you know, heat that pot up first before you put the hot water, swish it around and then, you know, um, So 
if they don't give it to you the way you want it, you there's the judgment, right? Ugh, moron, loser, whatever. There's no difference between judging the person who doesn't make it extra hot and judging the person who who rapes the child. It's all judgment. It's all judgment. It's like, imagine painting um, some kind of uh, ugly gray, brown, black paint on things. And uh, it's it, judgment is judgment. Whether you paint it on the serial killer or you paint it on the barista, it's still judgment. If we can just recognize that one thing and just keep interrupting the pattern, saying, oh, I'm finding my willingness again. Oh, I'm so angry. I'm finding my willingness again. And sometimes when we're so upset, if we can find our willingness there, like, Holy Spirit, I just want to burn the house down. I want to kill everybody in the house. I just feel so upset. I feel so threatened. I cannot bear to stay in this world. I want to die. I want to die. And in those moments say, but Holy Spirit, I'm giving it all to you. All this vomit of feeling, this this bilge water, this horrible, nasty, gnarly mess that I just cannot get rid of and figure out. You know the way. You know how to perfectly unwind it. And so I am enlisting you. I am willing, I am willing, I am willing, I am willing. That's so powerful. That's so powerful. Don't let an upset go by, right? The minute you realize you're bothered, say, ah, I'm willing, Holy Spirit. You know, because there's a tendency to just start stoking it like a hot stove that's going to burn everybody, right? It's going to heat everything up. Oh, and here's another one. And they never listen to me. And they never, da, da, da. And they don't respond to me. And they don't take me seriously. And they don't feel I'm worth it. And they like these other people but than they like me. And, and uh, they never understand me. And they're always trying to thwart me. And blah, 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 right? We start stoking. And they're just like my mother, my just like my father, just like my uncle, just like my blah. It's like my old boss. The old boss and the new boss, same boss, right? So who? <laughs> Here's the new boss, same as the old boss. So we're the boss. We're the ones who decide which thoughts we're going to think and the feelings that we will have. So intense, I know. So the Holy Spirit will help us. So this is what Jesus tells us here in paragraph 9. Thus are the Holy Spirit's lesson plans arranged in easy steps, that though there be some lack of ease at times and some distress, there's no shattering of what was learned, but just a retranslation of what seems to be the evidence on its behalf. Let us consider then what proof there is that you are what your brother made of you. For even though you do not yet perceive that this is what you think, you surely learned by now that you behave as if it were. So, we're reacting and behaving according to these thought patterns that we have learned. 
and the unlearning we can put the Holy Spirit in charge of it, and we will be miraculously transformed. And there is nothing more important than this, because this is how we are going to ride every problem that we have to higher ground. This is the curriculum of the Holy Spirit. Don't try to manage and cope with it. Go with it. Cultivate the willingness. That's what I've done and it's brought me so much benefit. And even today, I've been working it. (laughs) If you appreciate this broadcast, if you appreciate these offerings and all the other offerings, please consider making a recurring donation. And one way to easily do that is sign up for our Course in Miracles text messages, acimtexts.com. Inspiration when you need it most. It seems to arrive. I'm grateful to place my hand on my heart again, and we wholeheartedly partner up with the Holy Spirit. We make an offering of all our upsets, take it away, and we share the benefits with everyone because we're one with them. Amen, amen, amen. Have a great rest of your week. 